Hello and welcome to the Actually Autistic Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Onstad, and I know it's been a very long time since I recorded an episode, but I heard from somebody on Twitter that they <laughs> wondered what had happened to me, and so that motivated me to say hi to people in case anybody else had wondered what had happened to me. I know in my last episode, I think I talked about having to close my store that I had built with my son, and it was very sad and was a rough thing to go through, but things are, are pretty good now. I feel very fortunate that I have not caught COVID and no members of my household have caught COVID, so, so far, uh, fingers crossed, we've been spared that particular trial and tribulation. Of course, we've been incredibly careful. We're fully vaccinated. We wear good quality N95 masks or equivalent. Whenever we go outside, we don't go to bars, we don't go to restaurants, and we don't have any small children in the house or anything like that. So we've been able to mostly isolate. You know, it's meant that there have been a lot of activities that we've passed on and a lot of opportunities that we've had to say no to, but, you know, those are small sacrifices to make for not being saddled with a crippling disease, which may or may not have long-term consequences in the future. So I hope that this episode finds you in similar circumstances. If you are dealing with COVID-related tragedies and health complications. I'm deeply, deeply sorry, and I, I hope that we can find a way out of this nightmare at some point, or at least find a way of dealing with it so that we can keep people safe in the middle of it. I have, however, been dealing with chronic fatigue, also called uh, myelagic encephalitis. I'm sorry, I probably never heard the word out loud, so I'm not sure how to say it, but it's typically phrased as ME slash CFS. And within the autistic community, this is often referred to as burnout. And there are some people who think they're separate things. I happen to think that they're the same thing, but that autistic burnout is chronic fatigue syndrome with symptoms specific to autistic people. So that's just been my perception of it. And of course, I could be wrong. I often am. So the things that I've been doing to deal with this chronic fatigue, you know, it's I mean, it's come and gone for years, but it's gotten significantly worse as I aged. It may have been, you know, exacerbated by things I did. For instance, when I ran a whole Shakespeare company practically by myself, doing all of the design and directing and production and PR and <laughs> everything, uh, that might have contributed slightly, that kind of uh, insane schedule. And then even after I let that go, I kind of suffered from it. As we were opening up the store, 
I was still able to do a lot of things. I mean, we opened up a whole store. I painted the whole inside with different murals and would have to lie down typically for a couple hours in the middle of the day. And that felt really frustrating and disabling, but I gotta tell you, compared to the situation I'm in now, I look back on those memories thinking, dang, I sure had a lot of energy back then. So that has been frustrating. I'm essentially disabled at this point in that I really need to be lying in bed most of the time. All that aside, in a really peculiar way, this has been a wonderful time for me. I'm fortunate to live in a nice house. My husband can support me and my one habit of buying Shakespeare books. And I get a lot of help from my adult son taking care of things around the house. I've got my three dogs and my two cats. And all in all, my life is pretty great. I've been working on a book which was just published called A Midsummer Night's Dream Illustrated Handbook and Encyclopedia, which, well, let's see, I it was a project that I started years ago, but basically kind of mostly started from scratch in July of 2021 and finished in December of 2021. And it is now available on the evil overlord online retail site. I don't even want to say their name, but you know their name. You know who they are. It's pretty much the only way I could get a book published, unfortunately, in this day and age, since they seem to have cornered the market. So I I feel incredibly fortunate that in spite of the chronic fatigue or whatever you want to call it, I've still been able to work. And the reason that I've still been able to work is because I started treating this as if it was a histamine intolerance, which I think is part of it. I mean, it's all so weird and complicated and strange. Um, there's some people who seem to think that autistic burnout is caused by masking. I don't mask. I am, you know, I, I am just who I am and just try to hang around people who like me for who I am. So for me, masking has not been part of it at all. I'm just tired. And before I started treating myself for histamine intolerance, I had a lot of migraines, a lot of brain fog. I could not have done what I did in terms of writing a long book about Shakespeare. So definitely the histamine intolerance diet has helped. And that too is not a simple thing. Nothing is freaking simple anymore, is it? So if you're curious, what histamine intolerance involves is dealing with an excess of histamine in your body. And you can alleviate that by avoiding certain foods and keeping the, your house kind of more free of allergens. So in a sense, the avoiding certain foods was easier for me because it's something that I can control. I can stop eating fermented and aged foods, which, you know, is sad to miss them. But <laughs> Compared to having my brain back, I'd really much rather have my brain back. And so I, I don't eat vinegar anymore. 
aged cheddar, which I love, is off the menu. All of those kinds of foods. There are other foods that seem like they should be totally harmless, like tomatoes and bananas. Uh, don't do those anymore. On the other hand, potatoes, just fine. So it's not a case of it being nightshades or something. I don't understand this at all, but there are resources online that can tell you kind of what foods to look out for. All the same, everything is so individual that, you know, I can't just say do ABC and then you're going to feel better. So it took about a month of this elimination diet for me to see a real difference. And then it's been months since then of fine-tuning it and figuring out which things I can eat. For instance, soy seems to be okay for the most part, but unfortunately, uh, for some reason, like sesame seeds I'm allergic to now, <laughs> who the heck knows why? I sure don't know why. Anyway, you just got to start doing the kind of arduous work of figuring out what your body can and can't tolerate. Uh, there has been one supplement in particular that's been super helpful for me that I've been taking for years for allergies, which is freeze-dried nettle capsules. It has to be freeze-dried. If it's not, then the active ingredient is gone. And that's the active ingredient that will sting you if you grab a stinging nettle plant. So you can't just like shove that in your mouth and eat it that way it has to be freeze-dried and put in a capsule and so uh, that's that's what I do I take one or two of those a day and that does seem to make some difference a little bit uh, other things like chocolate I just have to be real careful about or the migraines will come back and you know no caffeine at all no alcohol at all uh, kind of sucks once I, I did away with all the stimulants, then I found that the things that I used to do to counteract those stimulants, like smoking pot and drinking chamomile tea, just put me right to sleep. And so no more chamomile tea for me, no more pot for me, except at night when I really want to go to sleep. And so by making all those changes in terms of what I consume, I've been on a little more even keel brain-wise. I can work. I can write. I have to write in bed, but that's another story. So the other things that I've had to do in terms of histamine intolerance are using a HEPA filter in almost every room and being on top of the other things like the sweeping and the dusting and so on. I've got a wonderful little vacuum sweeper uh, they used to be called Roombas. I think mine is called a shark or something. Heck if I know. I don't know. Anyway, I turn it on. I let it do its thing. It goes back to its little house. It empties itself. It's wonderful. So with doing all that over time, I've noticed a real difference, again, in, in my ability to write. Now, <laughs> I apologize. I apologize if you don't want to hear all this stuff about you know, a a 60-year-old lady talking about <laughs> chronic fatigue syndrome. I'll just say, thanks for listening. I'm doing okay. Please go click on my book 
and that will help it go up in the algorithms, even if you don't buy it. That'll be a big help for me. A Midsummer Night's Dream Illustrated Handbook and Encyclopedia. I hope you're doing okay. All right, so <laughs> if you're still listening, then I know that you do, in fact, want to hear this stuff. So anyway, reducing allergens in my house, hugely helpful. Going out wearing a quality mask has actually been super helpful. I suspect that probably my cats and dogs are not great for me, but you know, there's just a line that I'm going to draw. So instead, I just do my best to reduce the allergens that they produce in the environment. And that has included putting a, a anti-allergy, what is it called, antimicrobial um, thing on my bedding to keep that dust down and so on and it's all very um, unglamorous but has been tremendously helpful the other thing i learned about is that i have pots which is post ortho blah 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 something syndrome uh post orthostatic anyway basically what it means is that my blood pressure is too low and so anytime I stand up, that makes it difficult for the blood to come back up from my feet and into my heart and to be recirculated throughout my body. And so I found that it makes my life tremendously easier if I just do my writing in bed. I've got one of these little bedside tables that kind of rolls over the bed and then rolls out of the way when I want it to, which has just been a lifesaver. I've got a, a little handy uh, computer. It's uh, like a Microsoft Surface Pro or something that is very lightweight and that I can use to write with. And doing all that has been a game changer for me. Even when I was in graduate school 10 years ago, and even before that, like always, I've always found that I liked doing my homework in bed. I end up with you know, my notes spread all over and a, a big stack of books. And that has just always been the best way for me to work. But I, I did not know why. I was also always attracted to uh, tight knee socks and salty snacks, both of which are recommended for pots. And I had no idea. I drink a lot of water, also recommended for pots. So even without knowing what was going on with my body, I had gravitated over the years to treating it in exactly the way that people recommend that you treat it. Now there is currently no other really useful therapies or cures for POTS or for uh, chronic fatigue. I'm somewhat optimistic that we will find something because of the very worst reason which is that people who experience long COVID also commonly experience chronic fatigue and POTS. And the likelihood is that this is all due to post-viral disease syndrome, which means that after you have a virus, sometimes that can lead to these chronic illnesses. They've discovered a link between uh, Epstein-Barr virus and multiple sclerosis, and we expect that they will discover more later. I had mono in, gosh, uh, 
1997 and had occasional bouts of chronic fatigue since then, but it does appear to get worse as you age and your body just gets tired of all this shit. And so that's the situation that I'm in right now. And it's been, well, I don't know, a number of years that I've been dealing with, probably since I shut down the Shakespeare Company. I had been dealing with it before where I would go through weeks where I would need to take a nap in the middle of the day. But, you know, I just thought, well, I just need to take a nap in the middle of the day. No big deal. Anyway, um, if you are experiencing chronic fatigue, and particularly if you have had COVID and you feel like you're just tired and achy and, and your brain isn't working right, all the evidence suggests that the very best thing to do is to rest. I know it's really hard. And if you're someone who's used to exercising your way into feeling good, then it can be really difficult. Nonetheless, exercise is unfortunately one of the very worst things that you can do if you're dealing with chronic fatigue syndrome. They have recently, the CDC, um, <laughs> We won't get into the CDC because I'm not real thrilled with what they've been doing lately. But in any event, they have finally removed the recommendation for graduated exercise for people with chronic fatigue. So exercise can actually make things a lot worse. And I've read a lot of sad stories of people uh, on the hashtag long COVID on Twitter who tried to exercise their way out of long COVID and ended up making themselves much, much worse. So rest, rest, rest if you're in the same situation as I am. If you are unaware of long COVID, uh, then I highly recommend that you look into it. There is increasing evidence that COVID is not a one and done disease, that it makes permanent changes in your body, which can create difficulties for you down the road, even if it was incredibly mild, or you may have been completely asymptomatic. You may not have even known at all that you had COVID. If you knew you had COVID, then be careful, be gentle with your body, try to avoid getting it again. You can be reinfected from it again, just like you can with most viruses. It, infection doesn't necessarily provide immunity. Now, if you're listening to this later in the pandemic, we're currently going through the Omicron wave. The new variant, the new post-Omicron variant is on the rise, and it's supposed to be twice as infectious as Omicron. So please be careful out there. Please don't go to bars and restaurants Please don't take off your mask in public. Please don't rely on a cloth or a surgical mask. They don't provide enough filtration to keep the germs out. Get yourself an N95 or equivalent mask from a reputable source, and that will go a long ways towards protecting you and your loved ones. Please wear it everywhere, even outside if there's other people around. And uh, partly because we don't know 
what the next variant can do and we won't find out until people start getting sick from it. So you don't want to be that data point. You don't want to be the reason that people know that a new variant is much more infectious and much more severe. Even, and I want to be really clear about this, even if you have been vaccinated, these variants are becoming increasingly, increasingly able to avoid the vaccines. Now, it's still a good idea to get vaccines. It's still a good idea to wear masks. It's best to do all of these things to have, you know, just a, a multi-layered approach. Just like if you're going out in the rain, you might wear rain boots and a raincoat and a rain hat. And you might even carry an umbrella. You might do all of those things to keep the rain off of you. You wouldn't just, you know, put on a raincoat and then go splashing in puddles and then expect your feet to stay dry if you had sandals on. So, you know, just do all the things. Do all the things that you can to protect yourself and your loved ones because huh, the alternative is not pretty. Now, in terms of other autistic news, uh, you know, it's, it's brutal out there, people. Um, and yet the activism has been tremendous. The people who do ABA are under increasing pressure because activists have been going on TikTok explaining to people why ABA is bad. And I'm not going to go into that here. I think we discussed that in several uh, episodes earlier parts of the podcast, but it's bad news. You know, you don't want to use the same kind of techniques on autistics that they have decided are not good to do on people who are gay to try to make them ungay somehow. So yeah, bad stuff. Other than that, oh gosh, you know, I, I just wish that people would just let people be and be who they are. <sighs> there have been another movies out with, you know, autistic characters in them. I can't bear to watch them. But, you know, realistically, I don't like movies much anyway. I've been watching a lot of uh, The British Baking Show and other shows that I get less angry at for their misogynist or ableist or racist depictions of people. So yeah, that's, uh, that's where I'm at. This is kind of a short episode. I've done some other podcasts. I do a podcast with my friend Jeff. It's called Foolish Wits. And there we talk about a bunch of different stuff. Sometimes I talk about issues around being autistic. We talk about Shakespeare sometimes. We talk about role-playing games a lot because that's kind of how we met was through role-playing games and other issues of the day. So if you just list, like listening to me talk about stuff, then you can check in there at Foolish Wits. I also did a podcast about Twelfth Night called 
the Twelfth Night podcast by Rose City Shakespeare. And in it, there's the full play. And then I go through it scene by scene with a couple of other directors. And we talk about the play and what it means. I've had a couple other podcasts that I want to do, podcasts that are in the works. I'm working on one for A Midsummer Night's Dream. But honestly, I've just been too tired to really give them the attention that they deserve. And so it may take them a while to come out. There were some episodes of this podcast with interviews that I was not able to salvage. The sound quality just was not good enough. And it was just too exhausting to try to make them work. So if you were one of those people who I interviewed, I'm really, really sorry. I I really loved talking to you, but I just could not salvage the episode. And I really apologize. For the same reason, I don't foresee making new interviews for this podcast at any time in the future. If I recover from this latest flare-up that's lasted years of chronic fatigue syndrome, then I I may do it. But um, right now I've just kind of had to put even thinking about doing all those kinds of things aside. And so I'm still on some podcasts once in a while. But uh, for instance, my friend Jeff, he does all the editing and everything of the other podcast. And so that's why I can be on that one. And even that, dang it is exhausting and a couple hours of just talking on a freaking podcast with somebody is enough to make it so that I can't do anything the next day very frustrating I am going to be on a podcast called that Shakespeare life which is being recorded sometime in March and I'll be talking about A Midsummer Night's Dream there, and I'll be talking about the moon and the early modern English idea of what the moon was and how the moon affected people. So if those things interest you, you can keep an ear out for those. I'm guessing by April that it will be available to listen to if you want to listen to it. So I guess that's about it. Uh, I'm I've gotten some really nice emails from people, uh, some of which I've been able to respond to and some of which I probably meant to respond to and then forgot. If so, I'm really, really sorry. Uh, Your emails are wonderful and, and important. So glad that people are still finding the podcast useful. I treasure so much those conversations that I had with people. They helped me so so much (sighs) all right i guess that's it be careful be well live to fight another day and i'll i'll try to check in at least once a year or so and let you people know what's up all my love bye